Welcome to Wildlife Matters, a podcast from Dorset Wildlife Trust. Join us as we share news, articles and conversations, exploring all the work we do to protect wildlife and wild spaces here in our beautiful county of Dorset. Today's conversation is led by Tilly Hudspeth, a master's student from Exeter University, connected to Dorset Wildlife Trust through her research and volunteering with the Dorset Peat Partnership. Her studies in global sustainability solutions have led to in-depth research into the benefits of protecting and restoring peatland across the UK. We join her conversation with project lead Grace Hervey as they discuss the environmental impact and the significance of this collaborative project here in Dorset. Hi Grace, it's so great to have the time to sit down and and talk about the amazing work that you've been doing. Uh, So you're the project manager of the Dorset Peat Partnership, which is a really exciting new partnership and project that's been going on with Dorset Wildlife Trust. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your role and what you've been doing? So the Dorset Peat Partnership was um, formulated um, back in 2021. it consists of a core group of project partners, um, the lead partner being Dorset Wildlife Trust, and uh, we have a coordinator from the Dorset Catchment Partnership, and then we're supported by um, partnerships from Forestry England, National Trust, the RSPB, the Environment Agency, and, Nat- and we have some Natural England local lead advisors um, supporting us too. In addition to that, we've also, through our engagement with a discovery grant, uh, we've widened our partnership to sort of um, local authorities, the BCP, Bournemouth Christchurch Pool Council, private landowners, um, other local authorities, some private funders and some local academic institutions um, such as Bournemouth University are have been working with us to support our application and um, with, our, with our project deliverables. So we're talking about peatland so we should probably start by saying what is peat and why is it so important? Well, peat is a soil material and we know it's um, and it's kind of formed um, by dead and decay or organic matter. Um, and because of its, the decomposition of those plants is incomplete, um, that stores carbon. Um, we know that peatlands are like very rich um, ecosystems. Um, they store a lot of carbon um, and they, although they cover a very small percentage of our land area, they can actually store about 30% of the soil carbon. Wow. So really, really important. Um, that's in a good condition. Um, they have a very good net cooling effect on the climate, which is really important as we go through climate emergency. Um, we know that they can reduce flooding um, from upstream to downstream because they lock in a lot of water. So they kind of control flooding and they control water by holding it in in their spongy sphagnum moss kind of habitats. Um, We know that also they can support loads of wildlife and retain those biodiverse habitats for us, um, which are so essential. Um, We have in Dorset lots of bird, protected bird species. Um, They're key habitats for rare and endangered plants and animals. Um, We've got the sundews, we've got lots of dragonflies, rough spiders, bush crickets and obviously the sphagnum moss is one of the the key ingredient of the whole thing um we've got lots of cotton grasses um six different six native reptile species in dorset and our heath butterflies um so all these are very important and we want to protect them um but they need that habitat to survive in and if it's not there for them um that you know they will those those species will decline and get lost um and we also, peatlands are really important to st- support our historic environment as well and cultural environment. 
and um, water quality really essential yeah of course we sometimes hear about uh bog bodies or because of this um it's this anaerobic conditions of waterlogged environments then it means that things don't decompose yeah they preserve um things for a long long time and um as part of the discovery grant we've had to um undertake some historic environment assessments so therefore we are looking at you know what archaeological things would be present on that site and we don't we want to mitigate any damage or degradation to them if we were to do future restoration work so we are taking um, a really, um, you know, we are considering that and, you know, want to protect it as well. Yeah, of course. But I suppose by restoring these sites and making sure they are healthy, wet peatlands, that would actually help maintain these. Precisely, these yeah. Things. It would also have a benefit to them as well, that um, knowing that they're there, that, you know, we are doing something to protect them for future. Yeah, amazing. So these peatlands that you're looking at restoring, they've been drained, so they don't have the same hydrological function as they they should do. Why is the, why have they been drained? What's happened um, there? Many of our sites um, have been drained um, artificially for forestry plantation, for agriculture. Um, obviously, we've seen the urban expansion across our towns, um, and so that the problem with that is that the the groundwater levels go lower. Um, and that that those that water table gets much lower in this doesn't come to the surface anymore. So that you know we can't grow sphagnum moss. We can't have those peat forming communities because there's no the the system isn't waterlogged enough at the top of the, on the ground surface. And peatlands are also amazing wildlife habitats. Could you tell us a little bit about what kind of wildlife we'd be finding in a peatland? Um, well, there. Are really a sort of stronghold for lots of dragonflies um the sphagnum mosses as i've just explained there's over like 40 different species of sphagnum moss um also um, lots of spiders rough rough spiders um they're in really important habitat for reptiles um in dorset we have like six native british species um they're also key to lots of smaller plant communities sundews um cotton grass um, lots of grasses and sedges um, all these like very important invertebrates as well so yeah the pu- the purpose of the partnership is this application that you've been you've been putting in for funding uh, so what's this application for um, initially um, the application's about looking to do future restoration on our wetland sites um, we've put together <clears throat> 172 hectares of area across Dorset which um, is broken down into 16 sites um, where we'd like to um, restore um, and hydrologically reconnect some of these Maya habitats that have been drained through um, through forestry, through agricultural practice, through urbanisation. Um, we want to reconnect the hydrological network across them and enable those um, vegetation communities to, to, to come back. Um, we notice that on a lot of our habitats, um, vegetation is very, uh, the species there are very ones that are resilient to dryness, like lots of uh, tussocky millennia grasses, um, which, whilst they're lovely and they still provide habitat, um, they are sucking out a lot of water. Um, and we want to see sort of those more sphagnum mosses um, take become dominant and have that ability to um, be those sort of wet sponges that um, lock up plenty of water and um, release that in times of um, dryness. 
Yeah, so you mentioned about um, these mosses acting as kind of sponges or peatlands as themselves um, helping manage water flows. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Um, yeah, so obviously we know that the sphagnum mosses can hold up to 20 times more water than their own weight. Um, so they're like a super sponge. Um, they absorb lots and lots. Um, so in dry conditions and hot summers, these sponges then naturally release water through the habitat. So this ensures that the, there's a wetness that wetness is constantly maintained, um, so that has a huge benefit for the plants and the bird life um, and other animal species um, to survive. Um, and it's really important that there's that um, that constant sort of hydrological wetness in those habitats. Yeah, and that's really amazing as well for kind of climate change adaptation. Um, so obviously we've talked about peat having this climate change mitigation effect of storing carbon but um, also as we inevitably do see some changes in our weather we are going to have times that are hotter and drier and peatlands can act as a as a sponge and yeah retain more water uh, and they can also absorb more water when we have heavy rains or flooding or anything like that they can help mitigate that yeah they're really important obviously that peatland vegetation can help slow the flow of rainfall so when we have high rainfall flood events um the system will absorb it all at the sort of the top and will lock it in um and that has a benefit like you say to society to reduce those negative impacts of flooding downstream to towns and villages obviously that can have an impact on our road systems as well um just causing lots of disruption so i think um and another really important factor of having peatland habitat is that they can mitigate get against wildfires and, and damage from heath fires, which we're seeing seeing a sort of we're seeing more frequency of that at the moment. Um because that water's retained on site, that means that the system's less dry and harder for those fires to kind of take hold. And ultimately that protects all those species um that are living in that habitat. And we've seen particularly in Dorset in the last sort of three, four years numerous fires and some particularly large ones and you know we've seen lots of species and reptiles which are protected in in dorset and obviously we, we know species are declining but we don't want to sort of increase that by um through wildfires that potentially we could mitigate against if our systems were wetter amazing that's that's really interesting um, so you've just completed the discovery phase of the peat partnership project uh what's that been like um, it's been really interesting. Um, we've um, the partnership has collectively been looking at. Um, we've been working um, to look for solutions to fix the hydrology and bring up and how we can bring back peat forming habitats. Um, obviously, our Dorset heathlands have shrunk. Um, they used to cover forty thousand hectares. Um, we only have about six thousand hectares now remaining. Um, but our focus was really on. Um, in the end. Um, we prioritised 27 sites out of a list of more than 80 sites across Dorset. Um, obviously, our sites are lots of small fragmented mires across the val river valleys um, between the Purbeck Heaths, the Cam Camford Heath and the Moors Valley, which are like all split between the, the main rivers of the Froome, the Piddle, the Stour and the Moors. Um, so we've had little, little snippets to go and investigate. Um, so we've commissioned baseline surveys to undertake for historic environment assessments. Um, we've been out measuring peat depths across these sites. We've probably sampled more than 300 um, sampling points. Um, we've undertaken vegetation quadrat surveys um, to understand those plant communities that exist. We've done some hydrological monitoring, um, putting in some data loggers and dip wells where we can start to measure 
the groundwater levels um, and see how that what waters there um, we've been recruiting volunteers um, to help us with those baseline monitoring surveys um, we've been also looking at how we can you know positively trying to engage with partners to find funding opportunities to the future fund restoration um, delivery um, we've coordinated our restoration plans um, across the partnership um, and we've been informing our stakeholders about the project um, through social media um, also wildlife trust members through magazine articles and online talks um, and through our web pages on Dorset Wildlife Trust. Amazing so it's it's really been a discovery phase hasn't it you've learnt loads about these sites in Dorset that we didn't necessarily know much about before. Exactly um, I think I think we've become aware that um, through the peak depth me measurements we've undertaken uh, for this scheme um, we to be eligible for it we need we need to have um, baseline of 30 centimetre of depth of peat to make sure these sites are eligible for future restoration. Um, what we discovered is that um, our heaths and mires are very, have lots of pockets of peat. Um, so the distribution is not necessarily even across the whole valley because they're, topographically they, they change. Um, so there is a quite a variation across our sites, but we have recorded depths of over 100 centimetres. Um, so we have huge potential here to restore and maintain and to improve our peat habitats, um, which are vital, like I say, to for our species and our plant communities in Dorset. Yeah, it's really exciting because it's not really something that I'd thought about before at all, that Dorset would even have peatlands. People have been very surprised when you say peat. They're not aware of that we have peat. Um, so it has been really nice to go out and engage with some of the volunteers um, and to sort of, you know, demonstrate. Um, we've done, uh, last last year, we did a sort of guided walk onto the Purbeck Heaths and we took people out, we probed on a mire and they were quite fascinated to see that, yeah, the, this is peat. And, and obviously just to understand and be out there on standing on a mire, which is all a bit quaky and it moves and you can see that lovely mix of plants um, just sort of, really made people aware that we've got peat and it's a really valuable resource and we must we must protect it yeah because definitely or in the past when I've thought about peat I've thought about upland bog areas so Dartmoor and Devon or um, yeah more what you might traditionally think of as a, as a bog uh, so it's really exciting to find out that there's all these different ways that peat can occur um, yeah um, yeah certainly and we you know we through the discovery grant, we've um, 16 sites that we have prioritised. Um, we've kind of looked across working with a mix of partners. So we've considered the urban heaths like Camford Heath, um, which is managed by the Bournemouth Pool, Bournemouth Christchurch Pool Council (BCP). We've also looked at Upton Heath, which is managed also by Dorset Wildlife Trust. So, because we we understand that these these are really important spaces for people. Um, so, and those nature spaces, you know, people go there because um, they're in towns and they have got direct access to these habitats um, and they use them for horse riding, cycling, walking. Um, but obviously they are high risk areas with wildfires. So we, we are keen to kind of um, improve these habitats for people and make people more aware um, of what they've got on their doorstep as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you've submitted your application for a restoration grant. What would restoration look like? What's the goal of that? So with the future restoration work, um, the implementation is kind of use a range of sort of 
techniques which are low impact. Um, essentially, we're using natural materials on, available on the site to restore. Um, so where we've got like drainage ditches, artificial drainage that have that's been put in through um, where we're working on um, sites which have been you know previously um, habitats for growing trees, for example. Um, we want to like um, infill those channels. Um, so we can use natural materials, woody debris, we can use some heather bales, we can use, we can put in a few um, impermeable dam structures to kind of s slow that flow of water leaving the system. Um, other interventions we can do is a bit of cell bunding. Um, we, some of these techniques require sort of low pressure ground machinery, um, so we will, you know, you might see excavators mobilized to site um, we might also need to remove some some vegetation management so small removal of secondary woodland scrub things like that anything that sort of sucks water out from the system trees for example um, we might need to um, put in some peat plugs if systems are really bare uh, where soil's been degraded um, because obviously once um, peat condition soils get oxidized they're, no, they're not very good. Um, but these, all these techniques would be carried out by practitioners who are highly, highly experienced. Um, they've got specialised machinery and equipment. So obviously the damage, they don't really do any damage to the site um, and any traces of disturbance are kind of quickly covered over by, by nature. And, and you mentioned that um, part of this might involve pulling out a couple of trees. And that's something that's quite jarring, I think, for lots of people, is that we think of trees as always a positive, especially when you're talking about climate change. Um, mm -hmm. We think trees store carbon, we need more trees, but actually in peatlands, trees can be a, a bad thing. Um, yeah, they, obviously they're removing water out of the system. Um, so obviously we want to kind of, we want the trees, but maybe just further away from the peatland area so that that, that can kind of expand in its own natural way, um, enabling those sort of plant communities to take hold that we want. Um, obviously, um, our, you know, our aim is to kind of restore that mosaic of peat forming vegetation communities characteristic of the, of the, of the Maya systems in Dorset. Um, ultimately, we, our aim is to kind of is to reduce our carbon emissions. Um, currently, our the peak conditions that we have are classified as like grass-dominated modified bogs that have been drained, and we want to through this process we want to um, change that current peak condition to like re-wetted, um, modified, more natural bog condition, um, and this will have a huge influence about how much greenhouse gas we emit as well. Yeah, because that's not something we've uh, talked about yet, but uh, peatlands, when they've been drained, are actually carbon sources. They're, they're emitting carbon. So it's not just that we're going to store more carbon if we restore these places. We're actually going to lower our overall emissions as well. Is that right? Yes. Um, so we're hoping that currently, currently based on our peak condition in Dorset, um, our emission factor is about 3.32 tonnes of carbon dioxide per hectare per year and that's based on um, a greenhouse gas inventory um, calculation. Our objective obviously is to kind of re-wet those bog conditions. Um, that would bring that emission factor down to equivalent of 0.32 tonnes of carbon dioxide a year. Um, so therefore 
we're looking at over a trajectory of time um, that um, but over 50 year periods, so from 2023 to 2068, our restoration of those 172 hectares um, would be an equivalent saving of or reduction of carbon of 23, uh, nearly 24,000 tonnes of carbon dioxide um, per year, which is equivalent benefit in monetary terms of about 3.7 million in greenhouse gas benefits. Um, obviously, so that's, you know, our key theme is to kind of capture carbon throughout. It's a long process. Um, but obviously, in the interim, we can make lots of non-carbon benefits to this. Um, like, as we've already mentioned, we can restore the hydrology, we can raise those groundwater levels um, back to the surface level, um, we can improve our water quality, we can reduce flooding, um, drought resilience, um, and retain the biodiversity, really essential for our um, our species in Dorset, that are so, who are very protected. And obviously, ultimately, we want to connect more people with nature and have opportunities where we can you know, make a legacy of, of, of our habitats and, you know, secure it for future um, and, and benefit many people. Yeah, so it's really important that people get engaged with this kind of work. Uh, so if I've been listening to this and I'm excited about peatlands, I'm excited about all of their climate change benefits and all the other things, uh, what could I do to help? How could I get involved? Um, well, we're really, we're really promoting um, the use of volunteers in this process. Um, we have to obviously undertake baseline monitoring initially but we have to maintain that monitoring throughout the project um throughout sort of the lifetime of the project um because it's really important that we 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 monitor those changes um so if you have spare time or you're a student looking to gain a bit more fieldwork experience or you'd like to learn some plant id some grasses um you can come out and help us um do some vegetation surveys you can come out and understand groundwater levels through our data logging um that systems are out there um you can also come out and do if you like photography we need to like capture what sites look like now and what they might look like in the future through that restoration phase um but yeah anything you can do you can also you know just get in touch with us um come and come and visit a bog with us um you know we're happy to talk to you um yeah and i can attest to the fact that it's actually really really fun and interesting i've um joined in on some of the field work and it's just it's really interesting to well squelch around in the in the bog and um certainly notice. is a challenging environment um <laughs> yeah. you know you're up and down through ridges and furrows or down in a ditch one minute and yeah. up on a peak the next um and obviously you're you know you're in, engaging with lots of other people um and you're learning new skills in fact um yeah, yeah absolutely lots of recording something that i hadn't even clocked in my brain was that I'd I'd seen pictures of sundew I think lots of people have heard about sundew because it's a carnivorous plant so they're kind of exciting um and I don't know if it was because they're carnivorous or just from looking at photos but in my head they were huge yeah. and then actually they're these teeny tiny little gorgeous yeah. plants and it's really fun getting up close to the different mosses and the sundews and seeing this like small scale environment that's so so different to so much of the landscape that we normally see yeah it's we do have an incredible biodiversity and in a small patch of bog you can see many things all at once and it, they're all like crammed together um all like like trying to take opportunities where they can but yeah it's really interesting you can meet lots of interesting like-minded people and you know it, 
you know, just another understanding of what's on your doorstep as well, because people don't actually know that we've got peat, we don't know they've got bogs. Um, yeah, so yeah, and this is long term monitoring, so we, we need to have people to support us. Yeah, absolutely. So Tilly, um, it's been really nice talking to you today, but actually what put you in touch with the Dorset Wildlife Trust and why did you want to specifically look at the Dorset Peat Partnership? Yeah, well, I so I'm a master's student. I'm studying at the University of Exeter um, and I'm doing Global Sustainability Solutions, which is a funny title for essentially everything to do with climate change. Um, so we've talked about how peatlands are these incredible carbon stores um, and they're really, really important to any plans that we have about climate change mitigation. Uh, and that's something that I'm really interested in is these nature-based solutions to climate change because there's so much at our fingertips that would help us against the climate crisis naturally if we just let nature do what it's supposed to do. Um, so they're really appealing to me. And so I was looking for a way that I could get involved with a nature-based solution to climate change like peatland restoration. Uh, so I got in touch with the Dorset Wildlife Trust to see if I could partner up with you to do some research for my dissertation project. And so what, what sort of research are you trying to undertake um, at the moment? So I'm really interested in, I guess, the more social side of, uh, of peatland restoration um, and conservation because We've talked about, yeah, the science behind why peat is so important, but there's also a massive social factor to even why we need to restore these peatlands in the first place. So uh, there's obviously been a massive history of draining peatlands for agriculture, but there's also a legacy of cultural attitudes towards peatlands and mires and bogs. Even the word bog, people don't have nice associations with that there kind of yeah. dangerous or smelly or I don't know people think of brown muddy places full of midges and mm. nasty things um, and there's this legacy of yeah draining peatlands trying to control the landscape um, and the water flows. Yeah another really interesting point is um, how we've kind of exploited our peat as well um, um, particularly in the uplands um, you know for horticulture we're still selling mm. peat in our compost um, so that's a big challenge um, facing the UK. I know they're trying to push a bill to stop it. So yeah, that's um, you're right. And if you're somebody who wants to know how you can help, then you can absolutely stop buying peat-based uh, compost for your garden. That's a, a number one thing to avoid. Uh, so yeah, I am interested in these kind of social factors that lead up to why we've degraded our peatlands and also what we can do to improve them. Uh, so I've been doing some research about uh, why people get engaged with peatland restoration, what's their motivation, what values do they derive from being in these places, uh, and especially in relation to the Dorset sites, what values they get from these sites in the state that they're in, and if this is going to change if we do restore the hydrology, uh, and also what barriers remain to uh, to restoring these sites. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that's where the discovery grant has come into play is that that is been totally the whole reason about it is to unlock the barriers to peatland restoration and to give us an opportunity to look at physically look at the sites and see, you know, what what can be done here. And, and, and often it's a very simple 
process of just infilling a drain, blocking up that, stopping that water leaving the system. Um, and I think essentially um, today I haven't come up against anyone who's horrified about the idea of doing that. So people will understand that, you know, we time we don't have a lot of time, but and we know that peat takes a long time to form. But you know, hopefully, if we do something now, we we you know we can you know help to sort of stop the climate emergency and um, support our support ourselves and habitats around us. Yeah, absolutely. And there's all these extra benefits that kind of come in steps along the way. So it's not just, oh, in 50 years time or 100 years time, we'll have stored this much carbon. There's much more immediate benefits that you can see once you infill a drain that different wildlife start returning straight away and the the vegetation changes quite quickly. So there's other things to feel positive about as long as as well as the long term goals. It's really important. Uh, So yeah, and uh, so I've been... uh, I've been conducting some interviews uh, to do my research. Uh, So I've been interviewing people who have been involved in the Dorset Peat Partnership, both professionally, so partners, uh, but also people who have been volunteering already and engaging with the the restoration process to understand their experience, really. So why they've got involved and how how that's been um, and what's been good about it, Uh, but also if they see any barriers or limitations to why more people might not get involved which could potentially help us with this engagement aspect of get, yeah getting more people yeah and i know that across the doors that um, the partners who are involved in this project have all collaboratively worked together in the past to do Maya projects etc but this gave us a, a better opportunity if you like to really kind of come together and have a focus and have you know a sort of almost a good delivery of 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 that um because obviously everyone's trying to work to the same goals and so net zero. Um, you've all got similar goals to reach in their um, strategies and objectives. So this was, you know, a good chance to kind of really formulate um, a strong partnership, which which we are, and we hope that we will be successful in um, um, receiving a restoration grant bid. Um, so then we can then start to um, deliver that program of work, um, which needs to be will all take place between. 2023 and up to March 25 um, that's the delivery time for the for this um, okay, restoration so, grant that's quite a short period of time really isn't it's it? it's a very short period of time and I think that's one of the um, one of the difficulties is that um, it's a short window to deliver quite a lot of work um, but yeah. the Peatland grant team are aware of that and um, and obviously but we're hopeful that we can get through um, and get things done yeah, it definitely seems like the the time and the the volume of work that needs to go into these projects is potentially a massive barrier uh, to this kind of work. Uh, we've got this government money, which is yeah mostly motivated by climate change benefits. Mm-hmm. So the goal to restore, I think yeah. it's three hundred twenty five thousand hectares of peatland by twenty twenty five, which is why it's that short short deadline. Yeah. So um, obviously the government's out their Nature for Climate Fund, and obviously through that they're they're um, funding this program of work through the Nature of Peatland Grant team um, where they want to yeah, reduce their uh, carbon emissions um, by 9 million tonnes of carbon dioxide equivalent by 2050. So there are a lot of key targets to reach. Um, but So yeah, there's a quite a lot of pressure to get those done. Yeah, sounds like it. 
Well, thank you so much for talking to me about this today. It sounds like such an exciting project and I really hope we get the, the money that means that we can restore these amazing habitats. Yeah, um, thanks so much to Tilly for your involvement with the project and um, for helping to sort of come and talk to my partners. I know they've all been really, like, thankful to talk to you um, and yes please you know keep in touch and um, we really hope that we can promote and progress this project um, over the next couple of years and sort of start to do some re-wetting of our sites that are drying out so yeah please keep in touch and keep looking at our web pages and we'd lo- you know love to do future podcasts and update on on the progress yeah I can't wait to see what happens Next, I'm really excited to be able to share with you some extracts from the interviews I've been conducting as part of my research. So I'm studying global sustainability solutions at the University of Exeter. It's a master's degree. Uh, And for my dissertation, I've been conducting a research project on people's experiences of peatland restoration specific to the Dorset Peat Partnership. So I've been having some really fascinating conversations with people who have been involved with the partnership either professionally or as a volunteer and talking to them about what's motivated them to be involved with this project, what values they get from these sites as they are now and as they might be when we restore them. Uh, And yeah, just in general, collecting ideas and experiences of people involved in peatland restoration that might hopefully inform us about how we can get more people involved in the future. So let's hear those extracts now. So yeah, can we just start with you Yeah, telling me a little bit about what you've been doing with Dorset Wildlife Trust? Mostly monitoring peak depth and um, just for the um, restoration project. It's been really nice and like it's really interesting as well because I didn't um, realise that um, there was like certain indicator species and I didn't realise like the like vast like majority of the species that are present. So it's really interesting and it's also quite interesting to find out like how they're planning to restore those habitats to be like proper peat bogs again. So it's called um, Home Lane Bog. It's it's actually a beautiful habitat and it supports like loads of wildlife. And I think that is so important in this day and age, especially when we're like our diversity is just like declining dramatically. So it's really good that um, there are these habitats that can support such a vast range of species that otherwise wouldn't be present. Can you tell me a little bit about like what your understanding of why Pete's important? Well, I know it's a great carbon capture and like it supports a lot of diversity as well. Like there's so many species that I've literally seen for the first time, like those um, spotted orchids, gorgeous, gorgeous flowers. And (laughs) I've never seen one before in my life. So it was really cool to see one. Well, actually, like a few like clustered together. And then like, um, I think it's just because they're they're a really like valuable habitat. And like, I know like their soil's good for like horticulture. So I think like there's there should be like a way that you can utilize the, the peatland without actually destroying it. And then you get kind of like the best of both worlds. But um, I do think it's a great carbon capture. Can you tell me a little bit about the sites that you've been visiting? Like, um, well, some have been quite like dry like some more dry than others and some a bit more succession so there's been like 
a lot of like purple more grass and that's been like overtaking the whole like transect but we literally just came back from a site that um it has like grazing cows and like the diversity was like the best that we've ever like i've seen on like the like um, the sites i visited there was like so much diversity so it really like suggests that like grazing sites might improve people diversity but i think it's just because um the purple moor grass can become a bit invasive if not like managed but um it was really nice to actually like see a site that has like so much like diversity because like i didn't realize half the species that existed and yeah it was really nice to see that today so yeah it's really interesting to actually meet other volunteers as well because so many people have different expertise so you kind of just learn on the go like we had um this guy called jimmy and he's like really good with plants it was just like, identifying all these plants for us and it was so nice because i was like i would not notice the difference in these grasses they look the same to me but mm-hmm. no they're different and he was like showing us like how you can like identify them and that's just like i just i don't know i never really like thought that deeply into it but it's, it's quite cool when you like when you actually with like some of that knows what they're talking about and they're like yeah this is this and this is why and it's like oh wow okay thank you <laughs> yeah it's it's amazing the stuff that you like don't notice until somebody points it out yeah yeah and that's what I really like about working with lots of different people as well because you get to meet people that you might not necessarily have associated with in the first place but then you realize that you've actually got similar interests and that their knowledge can benefit you as well because like they're teaching you things and you're teaching them things and it's so lovely it's like it's such like a nice little like community in a way so you said you found bogs are really beautiful habitat can you tell yeah. me why you think they're beautiful well it's just like the different species like um the cotton grass like I don't know they're just so like pretty especially from a distance and then like sundews um oh I can't the well orchids um I think some of the sedges are really pretty as well I just I don't know like I for me I find like nature so like therapeutic anyway so when like walking through the bog like I can just appreciate like just the plants and like the habitat and then seeing all the butterflies like the lesser blues it's just so lovely it is it's just really nice and it's just nice to be like away from like the town centre because like I didn't know like most like well for an environmental science student I didn't know any of these sites and I've actually like contacted the uni and tried to like encourage them for like to have like trips where students actually get to see the local habitats because it's like what like a 10 minute drive and it's beautiful and I just don't see why um, students aren't getting involved in these projects because I think it's really beneficial especially like to network and like actually get first-hand experience in restoring sites and monitoring them but um, yeah no I, I think though like it is really pretty and that you can just like I don't know like I feel like the majority of people can like enjoy like they see the positives in like natural habitats because you can just appreciate the fact that like this has evolved over hundreds and thousands of years and it's a system that works all together but then it's just I don't know it is so fragile at the same time like I don't know it's so sad that like most of our bogs have gone anyway so it's good that we've got these projects in place where we're trying to restore them because like I guess once they're gone like it's going to be really hard to fully get them back absolutely yeah but that's yeah that's exactly what it's like and it's we have no idea how many books well we know 
but we've lost about 80% of our bogs, but we like, we don't know where they were or what's good. So it's yeah. really amazing that we're doing this, this kind of work yeah. to be yeah. able to yeah. restore them. Um, how did you find out about the, the project? Um, it was on one of the uni volunteering websites, okay. but the only issue with this is like you have to kind of go out your way to try and find it because I was just looking for other things to do while I was once I had finished my degree because I was like, well, I'm going to be in Bournemouth, so I might as well like try and join some things and see what I can do and actually enjoy like some nature because I hadn't really experienced outside of like the town centre. Um, so yeah, that's how I found it, and then like. I, and I drive so it's quite easy because then I can just go from A to B and I've really enjoyed it and I just wish I had known about it sooner because then instead of just like a few weeks I would have been doing this for a few years because it's just so lovely. Yeah in terms of like nature and wildlife in Dorset and yeah more broadly across the UK how do you feel do you feel optimistic or pessimistic or somewhere in between? Um, I'd say somewhere in between. I feel like we have a lot of beautiful natural land. It's just more the fact that like people want to build on it. And like, for example, HS2 and the fragmentation. And it's really about improving the connectivity of the land and restoring what needs to be restored. And I feel like that will benefit everyone in the long run because I feel like natural areas do like do improve mental well-being and I feel like people should plant up urban areas as well and like have more green spaces so, because it is it's been proven it improves mental health but I feel overall I am um, positive about the future because I believe there is like a lot of voices and people actually like fighting for natural like for like protection and like there is a lot more um oh what's it, like like awareness a lot of like awareness about how we're destroying our natural land and what we can do to protect it and I know especially like the younger generation are very like big on like protecting our green spaces so in that way I'm positive I don't know to me like I just feel like nature don't have a say like humans can say what they want like the natural land and animals don't have a voice and like I feel like more people need to support them and try and reduce the damage that we're causing because long term it's not sustainable and there's so many easy switches we can do to improve like the earth for everyone not just ourselves. Do you think people in general like bogs like those kinds of places? I think they don't have a strong opinion on them to be honest mm -hmm. because like when when I was um, studying countryside management, we didn't even like learn about peat bogs. So I don't think it's like up there on like the most important habitat to protect. But I think if people are more aware of the species it supports, then maybe they'd be a bit more inclined to want to help protect them. And if they could see like the benefits from it, like carbon capture and like, just like improving like I don't know like the diversity in that area especially if it used to be a bog because it's not very good for agriculture anyway so it's like you might as well just return it back yeah absolutely yeah so I do think it's really important that they do try and like restore as much as they can and if you've got a site that it's possible to restore it I don't see why not if that makes sense yeah no I completely agree with you no, I do think like restoration projects should be more like 
mainstream in the sense that like it actually gets communities together because it's really good for like network working so socializing and then you can actually enjoy like the habitat and understand like what's being done because like i feel like if you're more present in um the restoration you're going to support it more and care for it more than if you you don't know anything about it yeah so i guess do you feel like the the volunteering that you do makes a difference like yeah definitely yeah. definitely because like although it's something small you know it's going to something a lot bigger and it's like it brings you in with like community and you get to see sites that otherwise you might have just drove past and not noticed before so I think in that sense yeah it, it does like although like the work you do you're just prodding like I don't know like a, a probe into like the soil it doesn't really feel like a lot but like you actually like get to take in like the natural habitat and experience things with professionals that you might have not like just overlooked so yeah it's really it, it yeah it's been really great to be honest I've really enjoyed it amazing well, that's all my questions. So that's really, oh, really good. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much for chatting with me. Thank you. Same to you. Thank you to all who took part in today's episode. And thank you for listening. Please do join us again for another episode of Wildlife Matters. If you'd like to get involved with the work we do to protect nature in Dorset, then why not consider becoming a volunteer? You might long to do more outdoors, connecting with nature. You might want to learn a new skill or meet new people. There are lots of reasons people volunteer with us, so why not find out what opportunities are available near you by heading to our website. Go to dorsetwildlifetrust.org.uk Together, we can make a wilder Dorset.